your work life, all of our work lives. Welcome to Work with Marty Nemco. You know, most of the media focuses on people in the 16 to 24 age demographic. Well, you know, people of all ages count. And so I thought today I would give a, not just a tip of the cap, but hopefully what I might call a second half of your life career kit to offer you tips because there is ageism in the workplace. And even if you're not unemployed, you're wondering how to make the most of your time left. And so I have come loaded for bear. It's the wrong metaphor, I suppose, in the anti-gun world that we live in. But um, with plenty of hopefully fresh ideas on how to improve your work life if you are in the second half of your life. And with me to ensure that um, I am kept honest is my frequent co-conspirator on the show, the eight-time national award-winning superintendent of school. She doesn't have any career problems, even though she's over 50. My wife, Dr. Barbara Nemco, welcome to the, welcome to the show. Hello, and good evening. Good. Well, all right, so I'm going to start ticking off things, and you tell me when I'm full of it, when you want to amplify, or simply say, go on to the next point. So you, it's just like everyday life. Yeah, you can even say good point, which is not so much like everyday life, but what the heck. <laughs> a little <laughs> career advice or a little marital advice. <laughs> right. Anyway, the, one of the things that certainly when you're old you have an advantage, in addition to the more obviously talked about disadvantages of getting older, is you can get branded as a wise elder. Like maybe you want to offer to mentor some young employees or some new older ones who still may not know what you know because maybe you've been at the organization longer. At a meeting, you could say something like, you know, I ran into a similar situation a number of years ago, and we tried X and we tried Y. To be honest, both of those failed, but Z worked pretty well. I'm wondering whether you think we should try it here. That brands you as a wise elder. And to boost your chances of coming up with such goodies, when you receive the agenda for an upcoming meeting, think of such ideas to bring up. And that effort to brand you as a wise elder, you can reinforce that especially if you can recruit a younger champion, somebody who's respected, maybe an up-and-comer who likes you, and maybe he or she can recommend you to run some central project or advise on a central project. And so, for example, at a meeting, that person might ask you, hey, hey Joe, you've seen so much. Uh, what's your thought on what's wise to do here? Barbara Nemco, what are you honest, what's your honest reaction to that idea? Well, several minor edits on it. Uh, the business of saying, well, I ran into that a couple of years ago. You can do that occasionally. Sure. Uh, otherwise, people start thinking, oh, dear God, he's going to tell us again about the time Fair he enough. did this or the time she did that. Fair enough. And then you can get into trouble. So you need to be quite judicious with that. Um, and as far as a mentor, one of the really cool things you can do is find a younger person who respects you and be reverse mentors to each other. Mm -hmm. I have that relationship. We say we do. We don't really act on it a whole lot with um, a woman in Southern California. So I am, quote, her mentor in the networking arena because I know so many people, and she is my mentor in the technology arena mm -hmm. because she's mm -hmm. an expert in technology. 
Yeah. You know, while we're still on this branding thing as the wise elder, there's another variation on the theme. Sometimes, and again, nothing works all the time. We're not like electrons that were perfectly predictable. But sometimes you can get your job description changed so that you end up being paid more on the wisdom you've acquired over the years than on how much quantity you crank out. Like, for example, maybe could you angle for a promotion to management, even though you've been an individual contributor for a long time, invoking or explaining that you've been around the block a number of times? Or maybe simply do some informal process development. You know, let's say there's a very clunky, inefficient process. You know, you've seen a lot, and maybe you can suggest some way of adjusting the process. That gets you out of the role of simply being a worker bee who's, you know, cranked, whose value is determined by the number of widgets you you uh, turn out. Um, should I go to the next one? Yeah, I, everything depends on the job, but certainly one way of getting a promotion is to list some of the skills you've had or the problems you've solved. And you say, this is why I think I should be in this position, because I've been able to solve all of these problems based on my years of experience. You know, speaking of skills, you know, some of the antipathy toward older people is based, to be honest, in substance. There are some older people who aren't technologically up to snuff, or they learn slowly uh, or slower than they used to. Is it time for you to, if you are over 40, over 50, over 60, to learn something key to your job or what your job could be. I mean, should you take a kind of a very efficient approach to learning, not going back to school for a degree necessarily, but like a one of the highly rated practical short online courses like on LinkedIn Learning or Udemy or Udacity or in person like at a local college's extension program. What do you think of that? Or YouTube. Uh, boy, it's so true. These Tell short. Tell me how to do anything. Yep, and some of these they're very short and concise. You know, there is a there is a concentration factor. We know that the norm in YouTube is to do something within like five minutes normally, and so whoever's got the expertise is forced to cram in his or her most useful stuff in five minutes. And so, watching ten five minute YouTube videos may teach you more than watching one fifty minute um, seminar or whatever. Or the same, watching the same five-minute YouTube video ten times. Because if you tend to learn technology slowly, this gives you the chance to go back and hear it again and again and again until you get it. Where in a 50-minute video, uh, a lot of things are going to pass you by, and watching it one time is not going to do it. Excellent point. Um, there is a something that, again, there is a stereotype, and you know it may have some basis in legitimacy, that... Older people tend to be long-winded. So when speaking, and I've said this many times, but it's, it's particularly relevant when I'm talking to older people, to follow what I call the traffic light rule. During the first 30 seconds of an utterance, your light's green. For the second 30 seconds, it's yellow. The chances are increasing that the person or group is wishing you'd stop talking already and maybe thinking, boy, he's a little bit uh, long-winded. He's following that stereotype of older people being long-winded. And at the 60-second mark, your light's red. Unless you're telling a clearly interesting anecdote or explaining something that really requires more than a minute, you better shut up or ask a question. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's true. I suspect... The older people talking longer is more 
uh, more commonly found in people who have retired and maybe do not get to see as many people as you typically see in the workplace. Older people in the workplace don't have that need to be so long-winded because they see people all the time. It could be. I don't know. I've had some experiences to the contrary. But in any case, the other thing, another way to avoid being long-winded is if, let's say, you're in a two-person conversation. Again, there's no rules, but it's a rule of thumb. Talk for no more than half the time. Maybe 25 to 50% is about right. And that just keeps you, keeps you reined in so you don't go nuts with this. Make sense? Absolutely. That's very good advice. And that's true at any age. Okay. Uh, another of these stereotypes is what we call CRS. Um, some, not all, but some older people lament that their memory isn't what it used to be. And the term CRS can't remember, let's just say, stuff. It's a, become a cliché. It can really help to regularly use your phone's voice memo feature or a paper memo pad to jot down things you might forget. You might have uh, even, you know, at, at the risk of sounding low tech, you know, those three inch by three inch uh, memo cubes, you know, w- clearly what you have on your schedule, you, know, you got a two o'clock meeting, you're going to put that either into your Outlook calendar or in a week at a glance calendar. But there are some things you've got to do during the day that don't have a time associated with it. And so they don't really particularly fit well on your week at a glance calendar. But if you also simply have a three by three memo cube, you can help avoid that stuff. Oh, I forgot that. Darn it. It can be a cure for CRS. What do you think? Well, you certainly need to have a place where you write things down. The problem is you have to remember where was the place that you wrote no, it. No, I'm saying you write it always, all your your non-scheduled things that don't have a time associated with you put on that 3 by 3 memo pad that's on memo cube that's on your desk all the time. And what is a calendared item which has a specific time you put in your either your outlook calendar or your pencil and paper calendar and clearly of course you have to get into the habit of looking at it all the time right this is the this is the issue you have to look at it i put all of that stuff in a notebook and that way i can check it off and go back and see if i did it or i didn't do it uh certainly a cube on your desk would work how it whatever works but yes you need to write stuff down because thoughts come and go. In a minute or two, we're going to talk about um, things to do if you're looking for new work, some jobs and careers that are particularly well-suited to somebody who is in the second half of their life, uh, and also, importantly, how to land the job, because it's all well and good to talk about careers, but if it, you don't get the job, it's just, it's just wishing. Uh, but there's one more thing for the people who are on your job, because we are in an era of relatively low unemployment, and so you know, I'm trying to focus initially on... Uh, tips for people who are uh, in the second half of their life and are in the um, workplace. Um, wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, I'm going to say share something in just a minute. Um, the final tip for people in the workplace is um, it's about timing. Everyone, but especially older people, have times of the day when they're more productive. Typically, and there are many exceptions, Early morning is a productive time. Mid-afternoon is less so. In any event, try to save your difficult, important tasks for your, for your best time. So, right. Absolutely. Okay. And this is a time, the only time, when you, if you like work with Marty Nemco, this is the only time you get to support it. Each dollar that you donate to KALW, it's not to us, um, goes to, is a vote for work with Marty Nemco. 
Each dollar you, you donate right now, in addition to being a support for work with Marty Nemco, is a vote for public non-commercial radio, which desperately, I think, is needed in this, in this society. And it feels good because public radio is about intelligence, I like to say. If there's one word, it's an, at least an attempt. We're not always intelligent, but it's an attempt to provide intelligence, which therefore changes hearts and minds of people in a thoughtful way. Those are reasons to donate now to KALW. And because we're all motivated sometimes by the intrinsic, those, those things that I just said, those, those intellectual and feeling reasons to donate and feel good about it. But we all respond to rewards. Otherwise, very few people would go to work. So there are two rewards I'd like to tell you about. That uh, if you donate to KELW at the $120 level, I'll give it the phone number though first, uh, you can call at 1-800-525-9917 or go to KALW.org. And for a $120 donation... I will autograph, a personally autograph, a copy of my book, Careers for Dummies, to whomever you want, and if you wish, a one-liner. Maybe it's good luck in launching your career, or maybe get off your butt for a change. So when you call our volunteers at 1-800-525-9917, or you simply put it online at KALW.org, you will, for $120 and the good feeling of supporting public radio and work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco, of course, you will get an autographed copy of my book, Careers for Dummies, which has almost all five-star ratings. And now... The Coupe de Grasse, I decided to do this last minute, but it feels right because I care about public radio and KELW. I am donating my show. I do a show with Barbara called Odd Man Out. It's autobiographical, but not my successes. You might think, oh, he's written a lot of books. He's got a radio show. All the mess. He's real successes. We learn as much from a person's failures as from their successes. I do a show with Barbara called Odd Man Out in which I reveal the failures Barbara gives me a hard time, and You're I play fired. the piano. <laughs> You're fired. She does. She fires me. Um, and I play a lot of piano. I used to do that for a living. And it has gotten a standing ovation every time it's been done. It has sold out houses and everything from the Napa Valley Community Center to uh, the uh, San Francisco Corette Auditorium to the L.A. Mensa Conference. But for you, in your home or your community center... If you have the wherewithal to donate $1,000, either on behalf of yourself or a, 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 you want to use it as a fundraiser at some organization you believe in, some other nonprofit, if you donate $1,000, perhaps you'd get reimbursed by your nonprofit, I will put on a, Barbara and I will put on our show for you, privately. With Einstein the dog. That's right, with Einstein the dog, either at your home, which is what we did this one time before and it was at somebody's home, they had 25 people, or at the, a community room or a non-profit or whatever for $1,000 to KELW. Uh, and, oh my God, already somebody did it. I, I'm not going to be able, I'm only going to be able to do a total of two. But I just got a note that Dorothy Salmon of Napa just pledged a thousand dollars wow and said quote i love this i love marty and his talent his humor his incredible creativity and intelligence she must be my mother except my mother's dead <laughs> marty's odd man now she must have seen it when i've done it so much is so good you are the best end quote well one, only one i'm only going to do one more so if you would like barbara and me and my doggy einstein to do uh, our two-hour show odd man out 
songs, stories, laughing, crying, maybe some life lessons, 1-800-525-9917. It is $1,000 because it's a big production. It's a big deal to do it. Um, and just make sure that you tell the volunteers you're donating that 1000 to do uh, for us to for Marty and Barbara to do odd man out you can do the same at KALW.org at the end of the form there is a comments place make sure that you say you are donating it for odd man out but of course not everybody can afford a thousand dollars so as I said I think 75 bucks is a basic membership we would honor that absolutely any or even less if you can't afford it we don't want to be a rich person station necessarily but if you uh if you can't afford 120 we will give you an autographed copy of my book careers for dummies and importantly you'll be supporting KALW work with Marty Nemco every dollar is a vote for work with Marty Nemco and public non-commercial radio 1-800-525-9917 or KALW.org, whichever you prefer. Barbara, what do you want to say before we... Let's end this this um, this break so we can get back to talking about people in the second half of their lives. That if you want to raise money for some cause, $1,000 is an investment, then you sell tickets for the performance, and you could bring in a few thousand dollars that would go towards whatever it is that you're trying to sponsor. Right. So, for example, let's say your cause is... Uh, Oh, I don't know, battered, battered women. You know, there are many women's nonprofit organizations that uh, that you could donate. We could do the show at wherever venue you wanted, a church or a community room or whatever, and you could charge admission, and you could potentially make a lot more than $1,000. And at the same time, you're supporting work with Marty Nemco and Public Radio, so it could be a win-win-win-win. One eight hundred. You left out one other thing. It's a fun show. Oh yeah, it's fun. Everybody There's laughs. That too. Everybody laughs. There's a little crying. It's, it can be sad a little bit, but nobody cries hysterically. But they nobody do get teary. Cries. They nobody cry. cries. Oh my god. Maybe they get a little tear. Come on. Yeah, the last Don't show we the laugh. last show we Pretty did funny. there were there was a number of people who were teary eyed. One eight hundred. That's not crying. That's just okay. I get teary at Hallmark commercials. One eight hundred five two five nine nine one seven. If you want to talk to our friendly volunteers, or if you'd rather just click and. Type in your donation, K-A-L-W dot org. Okay, now, let's talk about, we're talking about careers, career advice is kind of what I'm calling a career kit for people in the second half of their lives. Um, it's, we, I was, the first part we were talking about tips for on the job, but there still are people who are looking for new work, either because they've been laid off, and there is ageism, um, or simply, you know, they're saying, you know what, the hell with it. I've just turned 50 or 55 or 60 and 65, and you know what, I'm not done yet, and I want to find something better than this crap job. So a couple of things I want to share, and Barbara, again, keep me honest here. I want to make sure that I'm not guilty of any hyperbole. First of all, the, the, there are fields in which being older is a real plus, the field of insurance, older people tend to buy insurance. So whether you're insurance sales or underwriting or whatever, the insurance industry may be a felicitous place. Any luxury items from architecture services, poor young people rarely can afford an architect, um, or a lease airplane leasing companies, or boats, 
are luxury cars. Those are things that tend to attract older customers and therefore an older salesperson tends to be more trusted. Of course, as boomers are getting older, they're moving to senior living facilities, whether it be Rossmore here in the East Bay or Paradise Valley Estates in Vacaville or the Jewish Home for the Aged in San Francisco. And so working for one of those places, your age is not only a, not a minus, but it's a plus. Um, and uh, I think I want to start there. Barbara, what do you, you want to add something there? I think your age can be a plus because it means you may have had vast experience. And that's a positive as long as you don't come off like some old person. And, of course, that, beca- you know, it was Helen Gurley Brown who said after 40 it all comes down to posture. So I and hate she sh- was right. I know. I hate the shallowness of it, but we are a lookist species. And so, yes, if you are older, whether you're in the workplace or coming up for interviews, stand straight, shoulders back, chin up a little bit uh, is really important. And don't trudge stride. Not race, but don't trudge stride. As shallow as that is, that's what we, we, our visual impression is very, very powerful. Um, and in a lot of jobs where it's important that you have a big network of people, again, your age is an advantage. You know everybody. You've been around. You know, speak for yourself. I know a lot of older people who have been nose to the grindstone type, and they always kind of f- felt that if they just did their work well, and they're not social by nature, the so-called the stereotypical engineered phenomenon who they just wanted to do their work and they're not particularly social or they have social anxiety or depression or bipolar or whatever and so they must you know you could be 60 and still know very few people or more importantly have very few people who like you enough that they're willing to open doors for you so i'm not willing to say that everybody knows everybody uh, even okay, if you're i'm older. not we never say everybody but we can say if you are a person who's been in the workplace a long time and particularly if you've been in general the same field, you probably know a lot of people. And oh. assuming that you're not obnoxious and people like you, that's a huge advantage that you can bring to some new job. I want to share. If you some, have it, use it. I want to share some older, age-friendly employers. Um, the Social Security Administration is uh, hires lots of people, and most people who apply for Social Security, there's, of course, there's, there's disability, but the, most people are older. Work, there's a whole industry called durable medical equipment, motorized wheelchairs, um, uh, hospital beds, all of those things. There's an industry where you're being over 50 or over 60 is a plus. I had an older client who was hired in a cosmetic surgery clinic to handle the administrative manners and answer nervous patients' questions. Her age, of course, was a plus, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, when I think about big-ticket items, again, young people aren't going to afford, you know, if you're in sales, if you're selling skyscrapers or stadiums or hotels or resorts, those are fields where being older would be, would be a plus. And then there are fields that aren't mainly for boomers, but where older people are an under-considered niche. Like, for example, there are certainly a lot of young people who pursue a modeling career, but relatively few people who are 50-plus or 60-plus do, and yet many ads picture older people. Or Mm -hmm. how how about being an image consultant or a personal shopper who specializes in older people? One more Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Two more things. I have to especially mention fundraising careers. Many listeners to KLW have very nonprofit values. Well, most people, again, who have acquired enough money to make big donations, they're older. 
takes time to accumulate that money. And most of those people, or many of them, would rather prefer to be uh, solicited by a boomer than by somebody who's 20-something. Absolutely. One more. In general, I found that some traditional mainline employers, not like startups or whatever, tend to be more, let's call it wrinkle-friendly, like a consumer goods company like Clorox or a transportation company like a railway or a trucking company. And of course, America's largest employer, which prides itself on being non-discriminatory by age, race, disability, etc., is the government. So I like to think that, take, you know, I gave you probably just, a, I don't know, about 20 of these fields where your age is not only not a, a disadvantage, but it could be an advantage. Anything you want to add there? Should I move to how to go about landing that job if you've got a bunch of wrinkles and gray hair? Yeah, let's move on to that. Okay. So, and why would you have to have gray hair? They have remedies for that. <laughs> it's true enough. I'm quite familiar with those remedies. <laughs> yes. um, the first thing I want to say is, uh, you know, is a not. There is such a tendency because we do fear ageism if we're over forty or over fifty, or let alone over sixty. We have a tendency to want to hide our age in our resume. So, yeah, you know, I'm only going to put my last 10 years of employment and I'm going to leave off the dates of when I graduated college. But the point is that eventually you're going to get interviewed. And if you are older and you have created, you have succeeded at creating this image that you're somebody who's young and then they see somebody who's in their 50s or 60s, they're going to feel deceived. And being deceived is not exactly the way to get hired. So, of course, there is ageism and there's going to be some employers, even if only because the workplace culture is a Frisbee culture and foosballs um, and, and Red Bull in the refrigerator and talking about the latest pop culture, they're not going to want you because you're just not going to fit in that culture. But if an employer at all is open to somebody who's older, don't hide it. Say your truth so there's no deception involved. You're much more likely to be to be to develop trust with that employer you're going to get rejected more but the right employer will actually consider you the next thing is as you well, said it, go ahead i'm would sorry you necessarily have to reveal your total accurate age or can you just say i'm over 50 but i blah 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 this is these are this is what i bring to the workplace Oh, I think you can say that. I don't even think you need to give your age. I'm just saying don't be deceptive by things like just including the last 10 years of your job history to make it look like you were 30. But don't you sometimes want to only include the last 10 years of your job history because who cares what you did in ancient history? Not necessarily because, again, it's seen as a ploy. If the jobs are irrelevant, you know, if... It's clear that if you only did the last 10 years, it's a good question, if you only included the last 10 years of your job history, but you included the actual dates of your college graduation, then clearly you're not trying to deceive anybody. But if you, all, if you only included the last 10, and then you didn't include your dates of graduation, college graduation, then it implies that your reason for con- concluding the, the last 10 was not only, not just because you wanted to include the most relevant recent job history, but because you're trying to deceive about age. And I think that's a mistake. Now, in terms okay. of okay, in terms of what you were saying earlier about landing the job, yes, some people uh, have developed over the years a, a bigger network because you had more time if you're 50 or 60 to develop the network than you're 20. Um, so yes, if you have, make a point of querying the 10 to 20 people who most like you, 
and in a position to refer you to a potential employer. And they may, you know, it's not like the, you're not trying to put, make a list of 10 to 20 people who um, could employ you, but people know people, right? An example I like to use is, uh, I'm not a dentist. I couldn't hire you. I couldn't hire a dentist, but I know a great dentist. Thomas Smith is my dentist whom I love and trust completely. And so if somebody said they want to be a dental hygienist working for a dentist, I would jump immediately. And if I, th- if I believed in the person, I would immediately send an email off to Tom Smithers and say, you should talk to this woman if you need a, uh, uh, a, a dental hygienist. But the, and the key is once you've made the list of 10 to 20 people, you want to not add, contact all of them the same way. You must trust your intuition. Should you phone this person, text this person, email this person, manage to bump into them? Should you make the ask right away, or is that too premature? Should you invite them out for coffee? Should you take a hike? Should you go and uh, have a drink together? Uh, should you have to invite them to a party? Everybody is different, but by, by having that individualized approach to the 10 to 20 people, which doesn't take a lot of time, you are maximizing your chances of, of them referring you to somebody. And ideally, the best thing is to set up what I call a three-way introduction, whether either in person or by Skype, that your friend introduces you and say, hey, uh, this Barbara Nemco is amazing. You really should talk with her. Let me introduce the two of you. Any reaction to that? Are you there? Yeah. Um, I, I, did, we, have I lost you? No, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Did you have any reaction or should I go on? Um, go on. Okay. Uh, once you're now talking with this person you're hoping to get to ref, uh, get a referral from, you really have to ask crisply, not desperately. And here's, I'll try to give an example. You know, I've had a good run at in Acme Corporation's accounting department, but now I'm looking for a job where I can use my skills in auditing, and in being efficient, setting up efficient processes, might you know somebody I should talk with? See how crisp that was? And it didn't sound desperate. It was specific, but it wasn't hyper-specific. Um, it's, and this is the crucial point. It is highly unlikely that any person you speak with will at that moment have a lead for you. So when they say no, ask if they might keep their ears open for you. And if you haven't landed something in a month would they mind if you circled back? And most of them would agree to that. And now you have recruited a number of scouts. Any reactions mm-hmm. to that? No, that's good. And I think as you're asking now, they're having that conversation, that's a lovely time to give them some uh, real specifics about why you would be good at this, whether it's that you, you know a lot of people or you've taken a course and you know what they're doing these days or... Um, you solve many problems that they probably faced as well, those kinds of things. But the, the best is, you know, stories and what you would do, could do, is what it could have, it's, it's not as credible as what I call par stories. Telling them about a problem you faced, the cleverer, dogged approach that you took to addressing the problem, and the positive result, that can be far more compelling. That's the reason that every journalistic story starts with an anecdote. It tells about mm-hmm. somebody before they get to the macro issue. And so telling those par stories really help. I want to turn now to the core issue, which is the fear that every one of my clients who's even over 40, let alone over 50, over 60, they're terrified of ageism. So let's say it's the interview time now. And as soon as they see those wrinkles, many, not all, many job interviewers are going to be thinking, nope, of course they're not going to say that, not only because it's illegal, but the chances are that uh, they too um, 
you know, they they'll be thinking it. They you know, they just don't want to they don't want to it's just unseemly, so they're not going to say anything. So you have to preempt the objection to your being older before it becomes ossified, before they say, "Oh, definitely no, 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 no." So at the earliest opportunity in an interview, you have to sell your age as a strength. Start with something like, "I imagine you're wondering whether you should consider a gray hair like me." I might mention that, and then you include whichever of these are true for you. Something like, um, I am technologically up to speed. For example, uh, I have learned TensorFlow, and I'm really finding it actually fairly limited, and, and so I'm using VBA. You know, that can instantly compensate for some of the stereotype that you're old. Or, say, if it's, you know, you may not be that. But saying something like, you know, I really think having looked at your job description that my ex- years of experience are going to be valuable on this job because I've often addressed problems like this um, in my previous work, for example. So again, that's selling your age as instead of defensive. You're, bring, you're bringing it up and it can be a plus. I want to give a few more examples and Barbara, I want you to give a reaction. You might say something like, as you were saying, Barbara, earlier, over the years, I've developed quite a network of people I can call on as customers, as suppliers, as source of advice, and to recruit come work here. So again, you're selling your age, and notice how crisp. I'm not saying any of these in long, one minute long, or let alone two minute long utterances. I'm saying them as bullets. Then there is the big objection they're always concerned about. Oh, he's over 50, over 60. And he's a man. Men men age faster. He's probably half me. dead. Yeah, he's probably half dead. Deadwood. Uh, so if it's true, you want to say, I'm in good health. I'm excited to hit the ground running. I think I'm a good fit for this job because... So you're not dwelling on the age or the health. I am just briefly mentioning it. So, you know, if you talk too much about your health, there is the old Shakespearean saying, thou, thou doth protest too much. So I'm in good health. I'm excited to hit the ground running. And notice I'm talking quickly. If I talked like this, I'm in good health and I'm excited to hit the ground running. I'm a good fit for this job because that's going to seem phony and not healthy. I'm not asking you to be phony, but we all have various, we all, our energy level varies. I want you to be at the top of your energy level range when you are in an interview. Your natural energy range, not a phonied up one. Okay? Two more. And then I, I want to get your reactions. Um, you want to, Here's another example of trying to preempt the ageism. My kids are grown up, so I'm not going to need to take days off or even parts of day off for childcare. That's something they may not think about. But it is a real... And notice, nothing I'm saying here is BS. It's all grounded in reality. If you don't have kids at home, you are less likely to need to take time off for childcare. And we all know in the workplace that coworkers often have to leave early or take days because of their kids... Sometimes not just a doctor's appointment, but a soccer game. And finally, you know, um, when I was younger, um, I might have gotten upset more quickly. But being older, I've gained a little perspective. And I think that helps me keep a steady rudder. You know, you've told me that this job could be pretty stressful. Well, when, when problems come up, I'm, having been older, I've gained some perspective. And I, I think I'll be able to keep a, a good steady rudder. Any reaction to those preemptions of ageism? I think they're all good, and I would add, um, being older and having my kids all grown up, I don't have to worry about being attacked by the kids when I get home after a stressful day. So I can come home, go home and decompress, and so it makes it very easy to deal with some of the stresses that people have at the workplace. Great. 
Well, uh, something I don't find stressful, actually, because I believe in the cause, is KALW and public radio. Um, this is the only, the last time, the only time, um, when I come to you, this show is only on one hour a week, and this is the hour in which I come to you, my dear listeners, if you like work with Marty Nemco, I'll just remind you of a few of the things that, that I feel great about. Well, Barbara's on once a month, and we often do switch sides in the middle debates, where we take a controversial work-related topic, and in the spirit of public radio at its best, we present both sides. Whether it's going to be guaranteed basic income, or the minimum wage, or uh, employer-paid health care for all, or uh, affirmative action, or all these tough, tough issues that relate to the workplace that tend to generate knee-jerk reactions and, and where each side is committed to just taking that one side, we switch sides in the middle. We're, candidly, I'm particularly proud of that. I've had. Well, let me let me add yes, something. Please do. Um, if you're listening to the show, think about some of the things that you've gotten from listening to the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got some tips on how to ask for a raise, or maybe you got some tips on how to approach an interview, or how to be more organized at work. Any of those things. Yep. Maybe you've learned some tricks to enhancing your personality at work, being more pleasant, uh, bringing roses in, whatever, so that you are more well-liked. If you've gotten something or listening to the show made you feel more confident because you learned something or you've gotten some ideas about how you could make a difference in the workplace, uh, that would be a great reason to make a contribution to the show because you feel like you're actually getting some tangible benefit. So, um, at whatever level, um, if you would call and to donate now, each dollar is a vote for Work with Marty Nemco and Public Radio, 1-800-525-9917, or go to KALW.org if you'd rather do it online rather than talk to the volunteers. And if you're not motivated just by supporting Work with Marty Nemco, Public Radio, non-commercial radio, changing the hearts and minds, intelligent radio... We do offer thank you gifts, and there are three, uh, which I very carefully I've, all, I've donated all three. It's all coming out of my pocket because I believe in public radio. One is an autographed copy of my book, Careers for Dummies, on a $120 level. I will autograph it to whomever you want. On June 30th, and I haven't mentioned this before, on June 30th, if you will donate $150 a person or 275 a couple to KELW, you can have brunch with Barbara and me on June 30th, which just happens to be my birthday, at the Doyle Street Cafe uh, in Emeryville. We've done that once before. We had a great time. And this is, um, I can't do better than um, during just a, a few minutes ago, I announced this experiment, to be honest. I said that for if you donate $1,000 to KELW, Barbara and I will do a performance of our really um, extraordinarily well-received show, Odd Man Out, which talks about my failures with humor and song and Barbara giving me hell. Um, and Dorothy Salmon of Napa did donate $1,000, and it's private, but it's just for her. She's doing it for her, apparently for her own non for some nonprofit. Um, oh, it's for a very good cause. Oh, you know, you know what what Dorothy's going to do. You you know this person? Yes, I think it's anti. Uh, I think it's for gun control. Oh, okay. 
anti-violence. Okay. And I think she's going to run it as a fundraiser. Great. So she not only donated $1,000 to KALW, and not only going to get to see our, a private performance of our Odd Men Out, but she's going to have it done in some venue where it can be a fundraiser and she can charge people to see Odd Men Out and donate all the money to anti-gun violence. That's our Dorothy. I, but I, I can't help it. She wrote, this is a quote, I love Marty and his talent, his humor, and his incredible creativity and intelligence. Marty's Odd Man Out is so good. You are the best, end quote. So I'm only going to do this one more. I'm not going to you know, be doing this show free for you know, a million people. But if you would, the next, only the next one person to call who will donate $1,000 to, to KELW and therefore support work with Marty Nemco and Public Radio, we will do a private performance either in your home for as many people as you want or you can use it as a fundraiser for the cause you care about. Um, 1-800-525-9917. And when you call, make sure that when you say you're donating 1000 that you're expecting the Odd Man Out private concert, uh, con- not concert show. Uh, I want to make sure you get it. And if you'd rather do that by, instead of speaking to our volunteers, our lovely volunteers, if you'd rather do that online, just go to KALW.org. And in the comment section at the bottom of the form, say that you're doing, you're donating the thousand for uh, Odd Men Out with Marty and Barbara. And they can do that with a donation in any amount. So we don't care how you do it, just do it. Do it, and but for a thousand, you get that uh, that odd man out. Only one. I'm not going to do any more. That's that, we're going to do the one for Dorothy Salmon and her gun violence control group, and we're going to do one more. If anybody, you know, for the next person to call, and after that, no, but none. Okay, one eight hundred five two five ninety nine seventeen or KALW.org. If you like work with Marty Nemco, the workovers, uh, we, we deal with. Uh, uh, I had I've had people on the show to talk about work. I tried to 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 have a wide range of people talk about their careers. I've had everybody from psychiatrists to sumo wrestlers to you sex workers. Yeah, we so a sex worker. That's the politically correct word for it. We're not allowed to say prostitute. Well, they're different things, I believe. I will leave that for another day. One eight hundred five two five nine nine one seven or KALW dot org. And now let's turn let's go back to what we were talking about, which is career advice for people in the second half of their lives. Um, I we've we've talked a lot about both how to st- deal with your age and make it a, at least a neutral, if not a plus, on the job. We've identified careers that are particularly friendly to older people. We've talked about strategies for preempting objections about aging. But now I want to talk about what I call pre-tirement. There are a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s, my dad worked till he was 82, um, who want to or are looking toward retirement but are scared of it, etc. And so I want to talk a little bit about Preparing for retirement, I call pre-retirement. And Barbara, as usual, please jump in with your agreements, amplifications, and disagreements. So, um, no matter where you are in the totem pole, it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable, but it's wise to develop a thoughtful succession plan for yourself. That's going to benefit both the organization and you. I'll focus on you here. You're going to get that good feeling of a positive closure to your career by helping to identify and train the person who's going to replace you. And uh, and that way you can also, if you're starting to lose a little of the energy, looking toward retirement, you can start to have your replacement little by little take more of your tasks. 
that can free you up to take on what I call capstone tasks that are, you know, really exciting, things you want to, that, that enable you to go out with a big win at the end rather than just fade away, like that baseball player who used to be uh, hit 300 and now he's hitting 170 and doesn't want to retire. You would love to be able to go out on a high. Then really draft a succession plan. Put it in writing, that what I call glide path to retirement. And then review it first with a trusted colleague confidentially in case you change your mind or you change the timeline. And then when you feel the plan is right and the timeline is solid, that's when you share it with your boss for input and buy-in. Um, you, anything you want to say about that? I think what's nice about that is not only does it make you feel good, but when the time comes that you do retire, it's much less stressful for your colleagues in the organization to have somebody that they know who is taking over your job. Yeah. I was talking about, you know, going out with a capstone, uh, you know, it's a last hurrah thing. And I want to give a few examples. I, I always don't like to talk in the abstract. But let's say there's somebody who is in marketing. Marketing has been the fastest growing career, much to my lament, for the last couple of decades. But let's say in retirement he's tired of flogging a product and he would like to uh, use his or her marketing knowledge to be a fundraiser for a nonprofit. That person might get permission to, while they're still on the job, to visit marketing people in top quality nonprofits so they can gather ideas and maybe summarize those ideas in a report that that person would present at a staff meeting or in writing or even make a YouTube video about it. That can ensure their legacy and a way of transferring what they know into their next, the next work. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Good idea. Two more. Let's say a person is now working in a nonprofit, say a social service agency. They might request some comp time or even use their vacation days to visit similar agencies in other parts of the country or even in the world. And again, they could return with a report to share with their staff. That's something, it's not the same old, same old, but it enables you to have them big contribution that leverages all your years of experience but gets you to do something cool and fresh. And the final one is, even if you're not an extrovert, and you are been just a, you know quietly doing your job. Maybe in your pre-retirement years, you might screw up the courage to give a talk at your field's professional conference. That's a way to share your years of experience and makes you feel like again you're going out on a high rather than on a low. Any reactions? Well, I, to I any think of those? that's a possibility not only in pre-retirement but after you're retired. True. I know a lot of very talented people who work actively in their area, speak at conferences, participate in professional organizations, make huge contributions, and attend all these conferences all over, but you get to do it when you feel like it. It doesn't have to be the five-day-a-week grind that comes from having a job. You're retired, but you don't want to feel that you're useless, so you're working you, at this point, hopefully, if you don't need the money, you're working just because it makes you feel good, and you can make it as big or as little as you want. Good point. Agree. Now I want to tick off. I, I think people are too often don't think of all the range of ideas of things they could do in pre-retirement and retirement. You know, the, everybody thinks about, oh, well, I'll, maybe I'll take a painting class or I'll see the grandkids. But I never thought of taking a painting class. I have to tell you that would be the last thing on the list. Okay. 
but I'm going to tick off a bunch, and of course you can feel free to jump in and add more. Um, you and I both, of course, share this love for community theater. There's always a need for people from everything to the person who sells the, the jumbo cookies for a dollar to, to take, take reservations, to seat people where you get to see the show for free, to being an actor. There, there are roles for older actors. There are costumers. There are makeup artists. There are prop people to find the props and get the props ready, making scenery. Then working in a museum as a docent, working in a library as a library assistant, working at a battered, sh- battered person's shelter. Um, there are, by the way, great websites. Oh, volunteerism. This is where you get to volunteer flying away. There's a website called Fly for Good where you get, get special airfares for doing humanitarian work. Or Habitat for Humanity has special programs for volunteers willing to go to developing nations. I, you know, I'm a musician, and I was delighted in doing the research for this show to find out that there are organiza- there's an organization called MusicianNationalService.org that hooks up musicians to get to play at schools, at hospitals, and at senior centers. So you don't normally think of being able to use your musical talents in a volunteer sense, but you can. Mm-hmm. Pro bono lawyering. Like, I love the show. My, I mean, to be really honest, my very favorite show on KLW is Your Legal Rights. Because all these excellent lawyers volunteer their time on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock to come in to KLW and answer callers' questions about the law for free. You can do that when you're retired or not. Pro bono lawyering is cool. Some well, people left out... You can volunteer in schools. There are lots of things you can do. Right. You can have kids come and read to you. Mm-hmm. You can read to kids. You can do some tutoring. You can be a volunteer who helps kids work on projects. Kids are doing a lot of real-world projects where they have problems to solve or they're trying to figure out how they could get the government to take some kind of action and somebody who can come in and volunteer on that project is enormously helpful or just to be a listener as they report out because it really makes it much more authentic when a group of kids is reporting on their project and there's somebody else in the audience who isn't their teacher or their classmates. Good stuff. Some more surprising stuff. Did you know the Peace Corps is looking for older people? I you did not know ha- you that. You have to make a two-year commitment, but it's a it, they're looking for older people. So is the federal government's SCORE program. If you are somebody mm-hmm. who's been a manager or a leader, you can help guide a, a small starting business to start up. AmeriCorps, we normally think of young people going into the schools. They have Senior Corps. It's part of AmeriCorps, where you can be a companion to seniors or a foster grandparent, something I'd never heard of. Right? Oh, or you can be a CASA. Tell me about Where that. you are an advocate for children in court, a court-appointed special advocate, CASA. Love it. You have to take some classes for that, too, so you learn a lot, and somebody needs to speak for the child in many instances, particularly with foster kids. Who's protecting them? Love it. Doctors Without Borders. There's something called International Service Lawyers Project, where lawyers go to developing nations and provide legal services. Architects for Humanity. Work on their, if there's a nonprofit you believe in and are willing to donate some money, volunteer to serve on their board. You'll feel important, and it is important. There is a place called Taproot Foundation, which creates teams of volunteers to help nonprofits. 
Um, and of course, the big the big ones for matching volunteers with gigs are Volunteer Match and Idealist. Also, there is virtual volunteering called catchafire.org where you can do grant writing, web design, social media help for nonprofits. No kidding. There's a ton of this great... I didn't know about that. Yep. Uh, And a couple more things. And then then I have something I really want to do. I spend... I'm over 50, but I spend almost every day thinking like, if this were my last day, what would I want to do? And I frankly, one of the things I'd want to do was to be on on this radio show. Because I believe I like to think I'm helping people. I believe in public radio, and I believe in KALW, and that's as good a time as any for me to transition into this. This is the last three minutes. If you are a procrastinator, like most of us are, but then you, get off your rear end right now and donate. <laughs> if you believe in work with Marty Nemco, if you've gained something from it, enjoyed Barbara and me, um, or just Barbara even. Um, yeah, donate for me. Yeah, donate for Barbara. I'm donating because Barbara's on the show. Right. Um, this is the last time where this is, and then we're done for this is the end of the pledge drive, I promise, or membership drive, whatever they fund drive, whatever they call it these days. Um, 1 800 525 9917, or if you'd rather just do it online, KALW.org. And we have three. The word amazing is overused, but I can look myself in the eye and say there are three pretty, no, one good thank you gift and two amazing ones. The good one is you get an autographed copy of Careers for Dummies. My book is almost all five-star ratings. It's a great book for any young person especially who's launching their career or has failed to launch, uh, and it will be personally autographed. That's the, and the, you'll be 120 bucks, and the donation to KALW gets you that. On June 30th, my birthday, uh, you get to come to brunch with Barbara and me at the Doyle Street Cafe for $150 donation a person or 275 a couple. And if... Uh, if it's still available, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. I have put aside, We I have a show that I do called Odd Man Out, in which I, with hopefully with humor uh, and a lot of piano playing and storytelling, Barbara and I tell about my failures. because And I've had a lot, despite my successes, which I think are very, my, the people who have attended have said it's very instructive, and almost everybody does a lot of laughing. And there's, yes, there are tears at various points. It's kind of poignant. And one person, I've allocated, I was going to donate two performances of this to anybody who would donate $1,000 to KALW. And one person already did it. Her name is Dorothy Salmon. She lives in Napa. And she's doing it as she's bought it for 1000 and she's going to have the performance not at her house, but for a nonprofit she believes in. And she's going to charge, it's a gun violence, an anti-gun violence nonprofit. She's going to charge admission and they use the admission money to fund the nonprofit, the anti-gun violence thing. So, um, if you either would like to have Barbara and me do my show Odd Man Out in your home for as many people as you want, or in your community room that's nearby, or you, you want all your return social engagements taken care of in one fell swoop, exactly, or you want to use it as a fundraiser, thousand dollars to KALW. We don't get any of it. I'm donating this. Um, and it has gotten a standing ovation almost every time we've done the show, and it's been done in major venues, including the San Francisco Civic Center. 1-800-525-9917. You can also Google Odd Man Out. It's, uh, you know, it's, and the word Nemco, you'll see. Anyway, 1-800-525-9917. But please tell the, um, the person who answers the phone that you're donating the 1000 because you want Odd Man Out. If you're, of course, if you want to donate the 150 a person, 
uh, for coming to brunch with us. Say that. $120 to get the autographed copy of Careers for Dummies. Do that. And, um, or you just want to give money because you like when Barbara's on the show. Exactly. That's, you could tell them that. That's the best reason. And Barbara, <laughs> we, the show's over. So now I just want to say thank you for certainly to Dorothy Salmon for her generous $1,000 donation and her kind words. Quote, I love Marty and his talent, his humor, and his incredible creativity and intelligence. Marty's oh, okay, odd man. Enough okay, enough about your talent you're and right. your creativity and your right. intelligence. Okay, you're right. And so, Barbara, I thank you very much for being my co-conspirator. And most of all, I thank the listeners for all these years supporting work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco. Uh, whether you can afford to donate at 1-800-525-9917 or not, I am privileged to have your listenership. Uh, my thanks also to my board operator, Joanne Marr, and of course, all of you for listening and calling in. Please join me again next Thursday at 7. You can call in for a workover. Plus, Alice Schroeder, the author of Snowball, Warren Buffett, and the Business of Life. Until then, this is Marty Nemco for Barbara Nemco, reminding you that we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't.